Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com and find them at FDIC at booth 2540. This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. TheFireStore.com, equipping protectors with passion. That's how they operate, and it's how they live. They understand that having the right gear can mean the difference between life and death. Their goal is to get you the gear you need when you need it at prices you can afford. Visit them at FDIC at Boots 110 and 111. Welcome to Fire Service Court Radio. My name is Brad Pinsky, and I am your sole and lonely host today. While all my other uh, three comrades in arms, the other three attorneys are out, I'm sure doing brilliant legal things. So once again, you have me alone. And today we are going to talk about a very important legal issue. Uh, And I'm going to be uh, pointing to the volunteer department, to unions, uh, really anybody who has money that is managed by a treasurer. So we are going to talk about Well, we could call this two ways. First, we could call it how to prevent theft, or we could call it times are tough. So before I get to this topic, let me just tell you how completely excited I am, because in just a few days is FDIC. No, this is not a paid sponsor that I'm telling you about FDIC. I am just so excited to hang out with 25,000 of my brothers and sisters. And this year I get to present as part of three different uh, programs. So I'm so excited. But I'll be presenting must-have policies on Monday for the uh, I-Women or the Women in Fire. I will be presenting must-have policies, a different version, on Wednesday to the general attendees. And then me and Chip Comstock and I think John Murphy will be hosting and fielding your legal questions at a live session, I believe, on Thursday. So please come find me. I'd love to meet you. And now let's get into the topic. So if you haven't been watching pretty much about at least once a month, somebody is stealing money from the fire department or from their union. They are just stealing money. And today I'm going to take about eh, 20, 30 minutes and really hammer home what to look for and what set clear. Enough is enough. 
fire departments and even the unions have had horrible financial practices for way too long. We have to stop ignoring the fact that people steal from their own fire departments. The public trusts us with funds. Our brothers and sisters trust us with their money, which is collected from taxes and donations and union dues. We trust the treasurer. And yet, let's think about this. We trust the treasurer, but who is it who always steals from us? The treasurer. So what is the lesson here? The person who steals from you is the person you trust. And yet this makes sense. It makes sense because since we trust the person, we treat them like we trust them, and we put in no financial safeguards or proper controls to protect them. Now, if you think, oh, that'll never happen to me or to us, you are not. Because in my law practice, it is probably at least once a month with just the 500 departments I represent where I'm getting a call that says money has gone missing. And it does go missing. Why? Once again, because we have no financial controls. So we are going to talk about um, the proper financial controls, and you need to pay attention because people are robbing us blind. And if that's not enough to cause you to pay attention, let me do one more. Most states in their not-for-profit corporation law or non-stock corporation law, whatever they call it, yours, have a provision which says the directors and officers can be personally liable for the theft of the funds, not just if you're the one who stole them, but if you're the one who allowed them to be stolen. So if you are turning a blind eye or not properly implementing and maintaining financial controls and somebody steals the money, you can be personally liable. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, we've got great insurance. We have bonds and things. Guess what? If you read it, you will find, if you read your insurance policy, you will find that if you knew or should have known that somebody that you had bad financial practices or someone could steal, the insurance is allowed to turn you down, to disclaim you. So you need to have proper financial controls. Or why? Because in many states, you personally as a director or an officer can be sued and have to pay the money back. More than that, the effect when this hits the paper, and it will, when this hits the paper, it is going to have a serious impact on the trust that the members of the community have for you. Your donations will fall off dramatically, right? The sympathy for you will fall off dramatically. The members will be upset with you, right? So let's talk about why people steal. There's a few truths that I've learned over the last 20 years from watching people steal. And let me be clear, it's getting worse. Bad economies, right, make people and put people in bad positions. So my first rule is this. 
bad times do bad things. Bad times make good people do bad things. So somebody who is down on their luck, somebody who just lost their job, got laid off, went through a divorce, is sick, they're staring and they're like, look, we don't have money. I need money. Where do I get money? And the truth is many times they look at this pot of money just sitting there and they take it. But oftentimes it is with the intent of paying it back. But that doesn't happen. It's like a bad gambling debt. It just keeps getting worse and worse. So many people who steal take a small amount at one time. And you don't always notice it. And if you did catch it, they'd be like, oh, that was a mistake. It was just a small amount. Very few thieves actually take a lot of money at one time. It does happen, but it's less common. So who knows how to steal from you better than anyone? Answer? The treasurer. The treasurer is in charge of all the books, but that's not why they know how to steal better. They know how to steal better because they know what you look at, if anything, in the record. They know who's looking at the check. They know who's looking at the bank statements. And most times, they know it's nobody. So today, what I want to do, I want to teach you about how people steal. I'm going to go through a bunch of fraud schemes, and some of them are insanely easy to catch. The number one fraud scheme we steal is just, or we see when people steal, is just blatant stupidity on your part. They write checks to themselves or to cash. How is this not being caught? They write checks to themselves or to cash, and they cash it. You know how it's not being caught? Because no one's looking. Why aren't they looking? Because we trust you. I want to tell you a very quick story. I went to one of my, uh, now a long-time client, but I went to a client interview, and I was interviewing for this client, and I said, listen, um, you know, the treasurer was sitting there, the secretary was there, all the commissioners were there, and I said, listen, I I just, I wonder, you know, can you talk to me about your audit procedures and how you review your finances? I just want to get a hold of that. One of my many questions. The secretary or the treasurer stands up, says, how dare you accuse me of stealing? I said, whoa, oh, I didn't accuse you of anything. All I did is asking about the procedures because I need to know and want to know. And she's like, well, you think I'm stealing? How dare you? It's either you're gone or I'm gone. I turned to the people and I was sitting with, I said, listen, I'll probably never see you again. You're probably not going to hire me after this exchange, but I'm just going to tell you as blunt as possible that that person is stealing from you. And lo and behold, she was. And now about 15 years later, I still have that client. But it's important to, story because what happens when we try to exercise control over people and we start looking, they yell, they go nuts, they keep tighter control. Right? How dare you? You don't trust me. That's the problem. So people are afraid, and they use fear or hurt. You know, oh, woe is me. How can you not trust me? I'm a volunteer. You can't, you know, you're, you don't trust me, and I'm trying to do my best. Right? Woe is me. Anything to get you to stop looking at the record. 
but let's be fair. If you're not looking at the darn checks when they come back from the bank, it's so easy to do online, then you will never catch that. So rule number one is every month, somebody without check writing authority needs to look at the checks, needs to look at the bank records to see if there's any transfers. Now, here's one of my favorite ones. This is creative. A treasurer will set up another account. The treasurer starts, right? And, and by the way, to set up an account, you need a resolution of the board. Well, how do you get a resolution of the board to set up an account that's not supposed to exist? You forge their name. It's not hard to do. We've seen it a number of times. So they set up this bank account in the name of the fire department or the union or fire company, whatever. They, the treasurer will set up a bank account, and they will then start putting money into it, thousands of dollars. Now, this is a long-term plan. This is like a two-year plan. But they start putting money into that account. Now, if a year goes by or two years goes by, and when I talk about money I've seen go into these accounts, I'm talking like $100,000, $300,000 over time. If nobody catches it, and because it won't appear on your accounting reports. If, that, if nobody catches it, then what do they do? They start writing checks in the fire department's name because that's what's on the account. And they start writing it to who? Themselves. But nobody will ever see it because you didn't know the account existed. So why did they go through all this hassle? Ah, because what if you do catch it in that year or two? Hey, where'd all this money go? I, I think we're missing money. The treasurer simply turns around and says, oh, look, it's in an account. I set it up years ago. You guys must have approved it, must have known. It's just all sitting here. See, here's all the money that went in and none has come out. So they wait until, right, they wait until you have uh, forgot about the money and nobody asked. And then they just take it. Now, that's a pretty complicated one. Some others. There's a fire department in New York State who had a treasurer, and the treasurer owned a fire equipment business. The treasurer, every year, wrote approximately $500,000 worth of checks to his own fire equipment company. And this went on for 10 years, and no one caught it. Why didn't anyone catch it? Because if you look at the check, you would have said, oh, it's going to a fire equipment company. Well, first of all, they should have known it's his, presumably. But second of all, why was it a good scheme or a creative scheme? Well, because it's going to a fire equipment company. It looks legitimate. So what do you do to protect against that? Well, how about making sure that you see receipts and that things were actually received when they're paid for? So if you suddenly see we got a new, you know, hearse tool, maybe the hearse tool should be in the firehouse. If not, you should be asking questions. Now, there's one kind of interesting um, change on this that I've seen. Somebody set up a new corporation. It's called, you know, let's call it Brad's Fire Equipment Store. And they start paying money to Brad's Fire Equipment Store but it doesn't exist. The name looks good, 
but the store doesn't exist. We're just paying money. How do you catch it? Same thing. Look at the receipts. Look at ask for bills. You need to see bills. And then you need to say, where is all that stuff brazen enough to steal $500,000 a year? It should be pretty easy to catch, but let's be fair. You want to steal $5,000 a year out of, let's say, a $100,000 or a million or a $5 million budget, that's a lot harder to catch. So with bills, there's another way to get ripped off. So here's what happened. Uh, I probably saw this 15 years ago. This one's less common, but pretty creative. So somebody would go to a store and they would buy something for themselves and they would put it on the fire department's account. In this case, the one that happened, they uh, went to a, a Napa auto parts store or something like that, and they were buying a lot of money every year of stuff. But it would make sense if you saw the bill. Initially, you might be like, okay, Napa, we go there. But then when you start seeing thousands of dollars every week or month coming out of there, you would have gotten suspicious if you looked at the bill. Ah, but what happened? See, this person was not only the treasurer, this person was also the secretary. And who gets the mail? The secretary. So what did the secretary do? Destroyed the bill when it came. Now, wait a minute. You're thinking, yeah, but at some point, they're going to want their money. Yeah. A second bill will be sent by every company. It'll say past due invoice. But what's not on that second bill? What you bought. So the secretary, now treasurer, went to the commissioners or the board and said, oh, my God, this, this amount's past due. I don't know what keeps happening with Napa Auto Parts, but it's past due. we got to pay it. And they would do this every, like, four months, get it current, but it'd be four months of bills, past due bills they would then pay. you got to look at the, bit, the original invoice. All right, let's go on to more, and we're going to do this for – you know, another 15, 20 minutes, but this is so much fun. Unfortunately, if you've been a victim of it, it's not so much fun. But this is, you know, these are fun things to talk about, but you've got to protect against them. You've got to implement in a, a good auditing system. And by the way, we're, how I'm going to end this is to talk about the simplest, easiest, but most effective auditing system. So what are other fraud schemes? Well, how about we get, go to a store we go to a big box store like a Walmart, a Best Buy, whatever, maybe a grocery store, and we buy something for a dollar, but we hand them a credit card or cash we got out of petty cash, and we then say, listen, I'm buying this pack of gum for a dollar, but I would like $99 of cash back with this check I'm using or debit card or whatever, I'd like $99 cash back from this check. And the check's going to be written to who? Oh, to Staples or Best Buy or Office Max, whatever. And you're going to put down, I bought office supplies for $100. And the check is actually going to be for $100 to a store. How do you get away with this? Now, first of all, if you're thinking, so what, it's $100. Yeah, I learned about this from a treasurer who stole $15,000 by this cash back scheme. 
They kept using checks of the fire department and buying things, writing it out to the store, and getting cash back of a lot of money. One of them said they went and bought a computer, and so and they ended up getting like $900 of cash back, which is rare, and the stores don't do that anymore, but they'll definitely give you $99 of cash back. So how do you protect that? You protect it by looking at the receipts. You all have to, have to, have a policy that says, if you buy something and you don't have a receipt, you just bought it, we're not reimbursing you, right? Or you got to pay it back. Back is a really easy way to steal some money. Okay. Now let's talk about more maybe simple things, but definitely effective ways to steal. Here, the department writes and signs a check. So let's say you've got this good. You, you have the treasurer come in, and I'm going to pay the, uh, the department's electric bill and heating bill. And I don't know where you are, but in some areas of the country, Wisconsin, New York, where it's cold, you could have a $1,000 easily winter bill. So nobody knows what their heating bills are or their air conditioning bills are if you're in the south or hotter areas, right? And they vary. 800 one month, 1,500 another month. So nobody really knows. So they'll come in with the bill and say, listen, here's a $1,500 bill. I need you to pay it. Now, there's two variations, right? One, they approve payment of the bill. Okay. Now, let's take variation one. I then take the fire department's bill as the treasurer, and I go down to pay the bill personally. $1,500, I don't want to do it by mail, and I also bring along with it my home bill, and I get write a check for $1,800, now paying my own home bill and the firehouse bill, and nobody knows it. Why? Because, and this is important, listen up, the next month when the checks come back, Nobody compared the check that was written with the bill. You have to compare when the check comes back as cashed or deposited, you have to compare the check with the actual bill to make sure it matches up. Now, let's take a different variation because some of you are like, oh, we require two signatures on a check. We always know what you know what's being paid you have to have two signatures well guess what guys and gals banks don't give a hoot anymore about the second signature they only care about the first the first one is the only one that matters now so what happens two of you sign it and i go to the bank you both sign check number 100 and i go to the bank as the treasurer i say Oh, bank, I lost check number 100. Can I get a duplicate original? And they will issue you a duplicate of original of check 100. Now, I can write it for anything I darn well please. $5,000, $10,000. You think you have such good control over your finances that what don't you do? You don't look at the checks when they come back, and you don't compare them with a bill. How do I know? Because I'm the treasurer. I'm the one who's stealing from you, and I know you have no good audit process. You have to look at the checks when they come back and compare them with the bill. 
If you don't, here's two possible ways they can be they can steal from you. Now, you may say that, well, we sign every check. We see the check in advance written to, let's say, Verizon. Now, this is one I personally caught. Because what happened is I do this audit of a financial practices review, and I do a lot of these, right, financial practice reviews where I look at your finances and I go through them and I see if anyone's been stealing and I see what your, if your practices are good. And by the way, we do this all throughout the nation if anyone's interested in any event. So we, um, I went in and I look at the Verizon bill and it's got a check and got two signatures and the commissioners in this case signed it. And I said, I don't understand. Why are you paying the treasurer's home Verizon bill? And they said, no, we're not. I said, yeah, you are. Because what's attached to this invoice is the treasurer's home Verizon bill. And so they call in the treasurer. And the treasurer says, you see it. It's attached every month. You authorized it. You told me I could. I didn't steal. You did it. And then the commissioners are, oh, okay, well, we won't do that again. Now, that's only if you caught it. But how did this happen? It happened because the treasurer was not putting on that bill to the invoice. He was putting a different bill, or in some cases, no bill. They wrote a check to Verizon, and she just changed the invoice and put it down to pay her own account. You see, if people have the same account, the same type of account, right, as the fire department does, how would you know? You write a check to Verizon to pay a bill. You can easily put on, oh, well, I, it's to pay this account number, or maybe you just put it in the envelope with the slip. Unless you check what came back, you will not catch it. You have to look at the check and compare it with the invoice that you intended to pay. Well, is, I hope this is sounding familiar. You have to look at everything when it comes back. Well, and then there's the, well, you know, they have, this is on them. This is on the bank. They have a signature card. Yeah, except we're in the era where anything can be copied and a signature can be put on the check. People fraudulently sign checks all the time. And don't rely on the bank to simply pay you back. They might not. How do I know? Because I have a case this week where somebody easily stole $8,000, right, in one check. And it was a, clearly a fraudulent check with a fake signature copied from an old check. And the bank is refusing to pay the $8,000 back to this volunteer fire department. Why? <laughs> this is my favorite part. They said, well, in our terms of service, you had 24 hours after the check clears to let us know about the fraud. Now, let me tell you, we're suing the bank, right? I, that, that is so unfair and cannot possibly be an enforceable terms of, of use agreement. But nonetheless, I tell you that because look what the banks are trying to do to stop having to pay all this money back. You need to look at the checks. You need to look at the bills. You need to catch this. These are important. 
Okay. How about other ones? Well, I'll tell you what is a big theft is fuel cards. I hate fuel cards. Fuel cards, right? I give them to the chief. The chief pulls up at a uh, fuel station, uses the fuel cards, fills up half a tank. Who pulls up behind? His wife. And she fills up a half a tank. And that continuously happens. This happens all the time. And you know who catches it? It's never the fire department because the use always seems consistent. See, that's how people think they're going to catch fuel card abuse. They think they're going to look at, oh, well, this, you know, normally it's $50 a week and now it's $200. Something's wrong. Yes, people are smarter than that. They stay consistent. They'll fill up after a quarter of a tank and then they'll fill up their wife at a quarter of a tank. So you know who usually catches this? The gas station owners, rarely, but that's who I find actually catches it. Okay, how about some simple things, right? Some simple things. Now I'm just going to buy stuff for myself. This one is never ending. So I go to Staples. I buy $200 of office supplies for the department. I buy $100 for me. Now this one I actually caught, well, it was around when it was caught. What happened was I'm sitting in a uh, meeting of a fire department, and somebody says, because they were pissed off, and they started looking at the records, and they started looking at financial records and the receipts. Kudos to them. And what did they find? For some reason, this department is buying a ton of laser cartridges. Why are we buying so many laser cartridges? And the treasurer stands up. How dare you? I do a lot of work. I'm also the secretary. I print everything using these laser cartridges. And I, you know, you shouldn't be questioning me. And he stood up, calmly as it could be, and says, well, I wouldn't question it if the fire department actually owned a laser printer which used these cartridges, but we don't. Yeah, she was running her business and funding it from the fire department, but buying everything she needed when she bought things for the fire department. How would you catch that? Well, you've got to look at the receipt and ask questions. You've got to ask what's being bought. You have to look at the receipt. Okay. This is hands down my favorite. Because some people who steal, as I said, a lot of people who steal, steal a little bit of money. But what about this one? This is a deputy sheriff in central New York, actually right next to the fire company. The deputy sheriff was a treasurer. The deputy sheriff not only stole all of the money from the fire department, as if that wouldn't be bad enough, he refinanced the firehouse and refinanced the fire truck and stole that money. How did nobody know? We don't look. Now, that one, I will suggest to you, it might be hard to catch the refinancing portion, but the bank accounts were empty, and nobody was paying the bills. Now, one that we caught, uh, again, a lot of these are things we caught. That's why we have some in-depth knowledge of it. But one that we caught, so... In our firm, we do, all, as well as representing hundreds and hundreds of um, fire departments, we also 
have a business, which we just spun off because it got too big, called Fire Service Financials, fireservicefinancials.com, and you can find us. Um, so we were doing tax returns for uh, one of the not-for-profit fire departments. And so we're doing their Form 990, and um, the bookkeeper noted who's doing it for us on our side, not on theirs, not for the fire department, realizes, you know, there's a lot of debit card transactions. What's going on? Why are all these debit card transactions? So she's like, listen, we've known these people for years. Can you just call them up and ask them what's going on? So I called and I said, listen, we need you to explain the debit card transaction. She's like, oh, sure, 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 no problem. And I said, well, we can't file the tax return until you tell us what this is. We got to categorize it properly. I can't hide what it is. Never hear from her. Call again, never hear from her. Now I'm getting a little suspicious. And so I send a letter to her, never hear back. So I send a letter to the president, never hear back. So I send a letter to the secretary, never hear back. So I send a letter to the board of directors, never hear back. So I send a letter anonymously in a blank envelope, so no one would know it's coming from me, the law firm, never hear back. Until about four years later, we dumped the client. We said, obviously, we can't do your tax return. And I get a very irate call from the new president. And the new president says to me, we're very up because you were supposed to be doing our tax returns. And we also just found out, he says, our insurance is canceled. Ah, this starts sounding familiar. Your insurance was canceled? Yes, because we didn't pay it. And we are starting to see other bills that haven't been paid. So why, if you do our finances, why is this happening? And I said, we haven't touched your finances for three to four years. And he said, no, we're told that you look at everything. I said, well, son, you've been duped. You've been duped because I've been sending letters and making phone calls. He said, we haven't seen any letters or got any phone calls. We haven't heard any messages. I said, just out of curiosity, who gets your mail? He said, oh, this person. I said, yeah, that person's been stealing from you for four years. And he says, I don't believe it. He said, we trust her. And her husband's the chief, who also happens to be the president. And she's not only the secretary, she's the treasurer. I'm like, oh, my God, a whole family of crooks. Of course, they're stealing from you. And the reason your insurance was canceled is because they didn't pay it. They probably wrote a fake check and told you that's where the money went, so you saw 13000 leave your account, but it didn't go to them. Well, FBI gets involved, and guess what happens? Not good things for those people. Okay, I'm almost at the end of fraud schemes, but let me repeat myself. You know what the most common fraud scheme still is, even though I'm giving you all of these really cool ways to steal money, it's writing a check because no one's looking. That's still what's happening. Let me give you a couple more, though, and then I'm going to tell you and conclude with how you prevent this because it is so easy and it will take you about 30 minutes a month. Okay, more fraud schemes. How about you have a fund drive? And you have people who send in donations right to the mailbox of the firehouse. Well, what do you think's going to happen? Somebody's going to see that $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 comes in, and they're going to take some of it. 
and you're not going to know. How do you prevent that? Because they're just going to set up a fake bank account in the department's name, deposit the money there. You're not going to know it even went in, so you're not even going to know the account got set up, and they're going to take the money months or years later. And you'll never know because you didn't look. So, first of all, banks will, and we've had good luck with this, banks will agree to set up a lockbox account for you where donations can be made, and they will cash the checks and put it in there. That way, nobody touches the money. And more than that, the bigger problem is many people send in money, cash, actual dollar bills. You know who usually does that? The elderly. And they will send in $5, $3, $20. And guess who's stealing it? It's not traceable. They just take it, deposit the rest, take the cash. Well, that adds up. You've got to take steps. For example, nobody opens that mailbox alone. You set up a special mailbox or go to the bank and use that. But you set up a special mailbox. Nobody goes there alone. You go in groups of two, unrelated people, two people who hate each other as far as I'm concerned would be great, and then they open it together and record it together. And then you compare the deposit with what actually was received, and that will most likely stop the theft. Okay, a couple more. How about an easy one? Easy one. We're at check number one, we write check number two, we write check number three, we write check number four. It's all good. And you look at the, you don't look at the bank account, what you, but you do look at the check. Well, looking at the checks is critically important, as we've already established. But if you don't look at the bank statement, you will miss that check number 200 was written way out of sequence. It will appear right on the bank statement if you just look. But people aren't looking. Why? Oh, I don't know, too many numbers. you got to look. Out-of-sequence checks are a really common way that people steal. Even if you're looking at the check, it's not enough. You have to look at the bank statement. Okay, what bank statement? The one that comes in the mail that the treasurer hands to you? Because this is my next favorite fraud scheme. You know, you can do a color scan of a credit card statement. Just scan it right into Adobe PDF and then hit edit. And it will convert every word, every letter, every number perfectly. It'll be an exact duplicate of what came in. And then you just hit delete. So that out-of-sequence check will never have been there. And then you hand that bank statement to someone and say, please look at it. An easy way to steal. What's not easy? Go to the computer. Here's my next point. Everybody who's on the board or an auditing committee should have the power to look at the bank statements online. Paper today is like like a picture. You can take someone right out of it. Well, I can write a out of sequence check, and I can take it right out of it. Now, one of the things I really have fears about all the time, just to take a quick little break, is I have a fear 
that people are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to say, you know what, I can steal. In other words, that I've actually taught someone how to steal. I want you to have that fear. I want you to be thinking that your treasurer is listening to this and is figuring out how to steal based on what I'm saying. What you need to do is then listen up to the solutions I'm giving you. And I'll give you one big one right at the end to solve all this. But you need to realize people can learn how to steal. I'm sorry if I'm the one teaching them, of course, but we got to talk about it. Okay. How about some basic stuff? Basic stuff. We just take money out of the ATM. Let me tell you, you should never allow debit to even be processed on any card that anybody has. Allow debit transactions because there's no receipt. There's no way to trace it. It's just money that comes right out. Obviously, you can catch it if you look at the actual bank statement online, but you might not look. If you look at paper, I can delete that too. We got to look online. Okay, a couple more. How about, well, let's see what ones I should give you. Done a couple of them. Take out cash. Yeah, let me talk about one that was in the newspaper. And it's going to be national news um, any day. I'm not going to say who yet because it's not yet public. But it's going to be big, big news. Because the whole board, almost the entire board, was corrupt. And this organization used fire department monies to pay themselves, to pay their family members for personal vehicles. One of them, they spent a lot of money on a trip to Jamaica. The board was corrupt. So they just kept cutting money to family and friends, and the members didn't know any better. The reason is you've got to make sure that that whoever's doing the auditing is not on the board does not have any check-writing authority, and cannot benefit personally. And it cannot be one person who does the auditing on this procedure that I'm about to tell you. You need three people. And as I'll probably again tell you in a minute, you should never know who's doing the audit or the review for that month. You put three names, five names in a jar, and then when all the checks are written, you say, I'm going to draw a name, and it's Brad this time. That way you can't conspire. It's hard to conspire with three or four or five people. So that's how you choose who does the reviewer. Okay. Another one. There, this is from 2008. In March of 2008, a fire department received a $180,000, grant from FEMA. And the money was to be used to purchase new vehicles. But what happened was in uh, November of 8 and January of 9, the treasurer falsified the loan documents from the bank to make it look like it was the department. The treasurer then deposited those checks into what they thought was the department's account. Sounds very similar, right, to what I already told you, a fake bank account, and then wrote out checks or benefit. But this was money that came in from a third party, so they weren't paying real close attention. Well, 
You need to pay attention to all of the income. Okay. So how do we solve this? How do we stop people from stealing? Level, we perform background checks, right, to make sure they didn't steal from another department, that they don't have any bankruptcy, that they don't have a gambling problem, right? We do some background checks on them, and everyone should. And please don't let anybody who has a history of stealing anything uh, or bankruptcy, I'm sorry, I'm not condemning people who have been in bankruptcy, but it's a red flag. I wouldn't put somebody who has had one bankruptcy or two, even worse, in charge of all this money. So you choose the right people. But now here is the solution. And wow, is this easy. One, take a notebook. Make it a three-inch notebook, a big binder, three-ring binder. Every single bill, invoice, receipt, etc., gets put in in check order into that three-ring binder. So if I have a checking account, I'm going to have one binder for the checking account for the year 2023. And I'm going to put those checks in order, and I'm going to, now this is tough because of online, I'm going to print out the check from online. I'm going to cut them out. I'm going to staple them to the top of the invoice. So I've got an invoice from Fire Equipment Store Y for $200. I take the check and I staple it onto it, the front and the back picture of the check. You always want to see the back. Why? Because that tells you where the money went. If it was signed over, it was checked and turned in for cash, right? Very important. Look, have the back of the check. And now, if I want to find out any of these fraud schemes that I talked about happened, all I got to do is I look at the invoice. I compare it with the front and the back of the check. I make sure it matches. I make sure the invoice actually was written to right who it's supposed to be. I make sure the invoice is legitimate. I make sure that we actually receive the items in the invoice. And then that's clear. Now, how long does it take to do one check? I don't know, 20 seconds? So how many checks do you write a month? I don't know, even if it's 100, what is it going to take? 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Who cares? The mere fact that I have a system that I'm looking at, looking at all the return checks and comparing them with the actual invoice, and once a month, I'm looking at the online bank statement for what? I'm looking for the reconciliation, right? I'm making sure that I can account for every check, that there's no out of sequence, that there's no debit. I'm looking for everything. Straws and the deposit should match up. How long does it take to do that with 100 checks? Maybe 20 minutes. When you get in the habit of doing it every month, it's pretty easy. So once again, once again, take a three-ring binder, a big one for every account. So it's one binder for one account per year. Maybe you'll need two. It doesn't matter. You take every invoice. You hole punch it in advance. Ideally, you use a voucher system where somebody approved and reviewed the bills in advance, and so you might put the voucher or the authorized signatures with that bill, and then when the checks come, you cut them out from online, and you just simply go. Check number one, yep, matches. Check number two, yep, we received this equipment. The money matches, matches the check. Check number three, right, very quick. That's what you need to do. 
Now, who does it? Well, I told you. Let's get a committee of at least three people who do this. And they will decide at the meeting or after the bank statement comes back who's going to do it, who's going to do the review by a lottery, not by agreement, not, oh, this month, hey, guys, I'll do it. No, that allows conspiracy. You're going to do it by lottery. Pull a name out of a jar. I don't care how you do it, right? Spin a little wheel. But it has to be random and unknown in advance. That's the system. Now, if you will, you will get some pushback. One of the things you're going to hear, and I don't mean by somebody who's stealing, is, wait a minute. We take all our bills and we sort them by vendor, and then we put them in folders. That way is stupid. You know why we used to do it that way? Because we didn't have computers. Computers, like QuickBooks, right, a simple program, very hard to use. I'm not saying it's easy, right? It, it, it takes skill. But QuickBooks, you want to find all the power bills? Just type in the vendor, and you can see all the numbers. Then you go to the notebook, just look for that check number that paid it. And you hear them sorting through folders. So stop putting things in folders. I also would like you to stop having the treasurer sign the check. What? Yeah, stop having the treasurer sign the check. Why? Because the treasurer is usually the one who steals. And if their name can never be on it, be on a check, it's one less way to have money stolen. So have somebody else. Look, the treasurer will, you know, bring the bills in and we'll tell you what needs to be written. The treasurer can print out the checks. The treasurer can write the checks, but the treasurer can't sign the checks. It's helpful. It's important. So then, and I'm telling you, this will save you money, not just from theft, but if you have an end of the year financial review or end of the year financial audit by an accountant and you take your notebook and hand it to the accountant and says, these go in order, and the checks are right on them so you can see it, and every bill is right here in order. They will love you, and you can negotiate for a lower fee. I know because we've done it. So that is how to steal money or how to protect your funds. It's not complicated how to protect it. You have to look, and you have to know how people steal so you can, for, you, so you can just prevent it. I'm telling you, unions, we see union representatives, union treasurers stealing all the time. We see treasurers from fire companies and volunteer fire departments stealing all the time. It's just too easy. So remember, let me end with this. One, it is always the person you trust who ends up stealing from you because you trusted them. Two, bad times make good people do bad things. Yes, you never thought that Mrs. Smith would steal from you. But Mrs. Smith is having some really bad times in life that you don't know about, and she's having financial trouble, so she found a pot of money, which maybe she intended to pay back. You need to protect the money to protect the public trust. So if you ever need any help, feel free to go to fireservicefinancials.com. I didn't mean to make this a, a promo about it, but... You know, what the heck, I'll just throw that in there. Um, so if you are going to be at FDIC, please come see me. Must-have policies. There are three times, well, two times, but Wednesdays, the general session must-have policies. Please come and see me. I'd love to see you. 
a huge shout out, Jeff. I'm so excited to be there with our friends and with everybody getting together. If you have not been to FDIC, I know it's expensive. Indianapolis is expensive. Times and budgets are tough. But, man, what you will bring back from FDIC is so valuable, so valuable. I have brought so much good knowledge from other brilliant, experienced people, so much smarter than me, and you bring that back in your department so much better. Send one person, and you'll educate so many. So I'm not trying to sit here and, you know, just do the whole shout-out for FDIC, but, man, if you have not seen FDIC, you have just not seen a convention. I mean, the show floor and everything. So I want to say thank you to everybody on behalf of myself, Tip Comstock, John Murphy, Kurt Barone, all of us from the Fire Service Court Radio Panel. Thank you. Be safe. Be healthy. And be just the great role model you've always been. And please, more than anything else, more than anything else, enjoy life because it is so short. Bobby Holland, we miss you. We love you. We will certainly miss you at FDIC. The emptiness that will be felt in the hallways without Bobby is just going to be deafening. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.